This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International. I want to welcome you to the Warning television program, also, those that are listening on our warning radio shortwave program, watching and listening on social media, welcome. We're in very trying times today, dangerous times, troubling times. It's because of the minister behind the pulpit that we're in these times. If the minister of the, behind the pulpit truly represented God properly, we would not be in this situation in America today. My message is titled, God's Development of His Ministers. Acts 6-4, now I'm in, I'm in the chapel, Bible school at World Ministries International with our staff. Acts 6-4 reads, but we will devote ourselves to the ministry of the Word. I use the book, The Ministry of God's Word by Watchman Nee as a source of inspiration and warning. My message comes from my dream in 1985 that changed my life and career and gave me my commission and burden. Watchman Nee stated, If the word of God is taken away, then almost nothing is left of God's work. God's word is spoken through the mouth of man. Once the word is removed, the work of God ceases immediately. For God operates through his word. Since his word is delivered by man, the minister of the word becomes a real concern. In 1985, after repentance of unforgiveness because of my pride, I received my first supernatural dream. I saw myself traveling the nations and speaking to the leaders of government, speaking to the masses, and saw apocalyptic events, including death lines. I also saw the heart of God and that God's heart was broken. God told me his heart was broken because the church was in love with the world more than they were in love with him. When I asked why, he said because of the pastor behind the pulpit was himself more in love with the things of this world. I was shocked. I came out of that dream in a sweat. I had an incredible burden to warn the church to prepare for the second coming of Christ. To repent, be baptized because they were not ready. I especially had a burden to warn pastors for I knew, as did Watchman Nee, who resisted the communist takeover in China, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who resisted Hitler and the Nazis in Germany, and many other giants in the faith, that the failure of the church is because of the pastor behind 
the pulpit. They all put the pastor behind the pulpit as the blame, as does the word of God. Text, when the Lord Jesus came to the earth, the word became flesh, John 1, 14. Jesus' primary ministry was the ministry of God's word. Point number one, God always used man to carry out his commission and preach the word. He's always used man, you and I. Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over all the earth. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came and spoke unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go you therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. God used men to carry out his will and warn people to repent from their sins and serve the true God or to be condemned by God himself through his word. God used Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Noah, Daniel, Samuel, David, Esther, Joseph, Moses, John the Baptist, Peter's, James, John, Paul, and on and on to represent God, to confront sin and warn of God's judgment. Each person mentioned above, representing both Old and New Testament, <coughs> God used. But all of them were disciplined by the Lord in order to be used effectively. They did not start out effective. They were not qualified to be a minister of the word. As I would say, most pastors are not qualified today. All of them had their own wilderness experience, so to speak, to groom them into being better usable instruments for the Lord. Remember when Jesus ascended, he gave the great commission. He said, first go tarry until you receive my power, dunamis, so you can have my power flowing through you so you can accomplish what I did on earth. You can't do it without my power. And yet half the church denies that power is for today. They don't recognize it. How can they do the work of the ministry? How can they be effective? How can they speak from the heart of God when they don't have his power, his authority, his boldness to speak the truth? Not yet to do signs and wonders, to cast out demons, to heal the sick. They reject it all. Then how are you supposed to save the nations? How are you supposed to confront sin? How are you supposed to come against evil? How are you supposed to heal the sick? What work are you doing? The work of God or the work of man? Are you manipulating the word of God for your own personal gain? I would say a lot of pastors are. Watchman Nee states, quote, God must not only put his word in ministers, he must deal with them as well. He needs to raise them to the level he demands. He will use their thoughts, feelings, and characteristics. But these have to be dealt with first. So God deals with these ministers in respect to their experiences, words communicating through them. He's got to deal with us before he can use us. In other words, we are going to go through some hard times. The discipline of the Holy Spirit, so to speak. Point number two, 
God disciplines each of us in order that we may be more effective for him. Hebrews 12, 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you've raised children, if you love them, you will discipline them. If not, they will grow up to be a rebel. They'll grow up to be a brat. They'll get in trouble. They'll spend time in juvenile delinquency. Then they'll spend time in jail and prison. If you love them, you will discipline them. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.4, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. Many tears. This is the Apostle Paul. Why was he such a tremendous, tremendous warrior for God? Apostle. He went through tremendous sufferings, didn't he? Are we willing to? Much affliction, much gain. Reject affliction, you have no gain and you have no ministry. Watchman E states, since the Lord Jesus has already come and the Holy Spirit has now entered in the, the believing man, God will work in the man until his human elements do not damage God's word. Think about that. He'll work in us until our human elements don't damage his word. This is the basis of ministry. The Holy Spirit so operates in man, so controls and disciplines him that the latter's own elements can't, can exist without impairing God's word. In other words, our character, our personality, our pride, he'll deal with us until we don't hurt his word. That means we go through trials and tribulations. We go through sufferings, maybe a thorn in the flesh. He doesn't want us to impair his word. On the contrary, he wants us to fulfill it. Under the discipline, control, and work of the Holy Spirit, all human elements can be properly engaged by God. It becomes abundantly clear from the scriptures and in Nee's book that God allows circumstances to enter our life. He even sends trials, thorns in our lives to deal with our carnality or selfishness so that he can use us more effectively. That's what he did for me. And he still does. But that's what changed my career in 1985. From law enforcement and a business entrepreneur to a full-time minister of the gospel. But he dealt with me through five years of chastening because I wouldn't forgive somebody that I developed into hatred for. Now you can give all the excuses and I had mine. He did something that he could have been executed for against my first wife. And I had my reasons. But righteous anger makes you to confront a person in sin, to lead them to the cross, not destroy them. I went beyond righteous anger into human hatred because of my pride. And now God was dealing with me. And until the Holy Spirit could use me, before he could use me, I had to be disciplined. In other words, I had to break my outer man. After five years, I finally broke. I left a puddle of tears on the floor. I said, God, forgive me. I've, some people call me a pastor, but I'm a hypocrite. I cannot even forgive my fellow man. Forgive me. And God did. But he said, now leave your gift at the altar and make it right. I knew what he wanted. He wanted me to face this man. My carnality was still alive. In other words, we have to deal with our pride daily. We have to overcome it. But faith is obedience, not going by feelings and emotions. 
Prior, I went by feelings and emotions, and I wasn't worthy to be a minister of the gospel. I was so miserable after five years of chastening, though, I finally got up, walked up, talking myself, get up, walk up the stairs, get in the car, turn on the key, drive, get out, knock. He opened the door. Will you forgive me? I, I've hated you. Soon as I did, it broke. Nothing but love to this day for that man. Then I had my first supernatural dream. The rest is history. God started using me, traveling me through the nations, as I saw in that dream, meeting with leaders, presidents, on and on. God has to break the outer man, and he still works on me. Through trouble, through tribulations, through rejection, whether it's family, friends, enemies, God continues to deal with us, to mold us, to shape us, to give us his heart. To give us feeling and compassion for other people. It becomes abundantly clear that God allows circumstances to enter our life. He even sends trials, thorns into our lives to deal with our carnality, our selfishness, so he can use us now effectively. Ne writes to one who believes God's word must be pruned and refined. God has to lay aside those whose human's makeup contains many uncleanness fleshly things, and matters condemned by God. Others he has to bypass because they have never been broken before God, or their thoughts are not straightforward, or their lives are undisciplined. Their necks stiff, their emotions untamed, or they have controversy with God. Even if these individuals receive God's word, they are not able to deliver it, for it is blocked within them. Should they force themselves to preach, the word is ineffective. Hence, man's condition before God is a basic problem for ministers. Our condition, man's condition, hinders the work of the ministry. Not God, man. As God warning in my dream in 1985, the minister behind the pulpit is the problem with the condition of the church today. He is more in love with himself than Jesus Christ. Thus, he is not able to effectively preach the word of God. And he writes, quote, How very great, then, is the responsibility of those who preach God's word. If the man is wrong and mingles his own uncleanness and unclean things with the word, he defiles the word of God, greatly damaging it. This flesh must therefore be wrought upon by God. We need to be daily disciplined. Any defects in us will defile the word and destroy its power. Do not think that just anybody can preach the word of God. For we know of only one kind of person who may preach it, those who have been dealt with by God. Saul, who became Paul, he knew the scriptures inside and out. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. But he wasn't qualified to effectively preach the word of God, just quote it. He did not have the heart of God, the compassion of God, the spirit of God. The letter of the law kills. He did not even understand the true interpretation because he did not have a relationship with God himself, a religious spirit. John 7, 37 through 38. Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me as a spirit and scriptures has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of his belly. Out of your belly does the Spirit of God flow? 
It should. It becomes crystal clear that the only way a minister of the word can effective to have a true daily relationship with Christ, that's the only way we can be effective. Not a theological scholarly knowledge of the scriptures, like the scribes and Pharisees, but a true relationship like when Saul, the Pharisee of the Pharisees, became the apostle Paul. Like something like Adalia shared at the beginning of the service. There must be relationship. You must know the Christ. Watchman Nee explains, quote, We must allow the word to come to us, to drill us, and to grind us until it flows out, yes, our personal elements in it, and yet not spoil or corrupt in the least. The Lord wishes us to be channels of living water. It is the consequence of the working of the Holy Spirit within us, as well as his discipling and disciplining us through arrangements of our environment. You say, why are things happening this way? Well, one reason is God is cleansing the outer man in all of us. Some of us need different ways to be cleansed. We become channels of living water only after the Holy Spirit has succeeded in breaking and grinding us down. Sometimes we don't even have feelings like we should toward people until our feelings have been adequately dealt with. Our outward man needs this breaking by God. It needs drastic and thorough dealings whereupon our spirit may begin to breathe freely. The Holy Spirit being freed within us. The word of God may commence to flow from us. The word of God and ourselves are constantly like two streams merging and flowing together. Amen. Paul was speaking and he says, I don't know from my spirit or the Holy Spirit, but I believe it's from the word of God itself. He was so broken and so engrinded, meshed with God, with the Holy Spirit, that what he thought was from God. God had broken him so. He was willing to be broken. He was willing to go through those scourgings, imprisonments, shipwrecks, and death. The Apostle Paul certainly allowed the word or Jesus himself by the Holy Spirit to come upon him. So, so thoroughly and completely through his willingness to go through many trials and tribulations and even a thorn in the flesh to drill and grind his flesh. Carnality, pride down so the character, values, and power of God could reign through his body, will, mind, and emotions. You say, I don't understand. Well, I do. God is breaking you some more so he can use you more effectively. If everything went perfectly, we couldn't be used. We'd be haughty and proud not understanding the pains or what other people are going through, having no compassion, just a jolly good time in life, but worthless for a minister of the word of God. And the seven sons of Sceva tried to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus who Paul preached. Not only could they not cast out the demon, but two of them were even overwhelmed by the evil spirits. The word was there, yet the spirit did not work. You know, in the name of Jesus is not a magical saying. Do you have the authority within you to use that word, that name? Do you have the power? Or have you rejected the Holy Spirit said it's not for today? Don't try to cast demons out. In fact, you don't even recognize demons exist. Word alone is futile. There must be also the minister of the word. 
When God joins, when God's spirit joins the minister and the word together, living water flows. The seven sons of Sceva, the scribes and Pharisees, as do most ministers of the gospel today, that do not embrace the will and discipline, the training of the word and the spirit, find out they have no power to cast out demons or to heal a sick. All they can do is tell Bible stories. And much of the time, their denominational biases get in the way of even the scriptures being taught correctly. Well, if all you're going to do is read me the scriptures, I can do that at home. I don't need to go to your biased teaching and your denomination that rejects the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Point number three, man is unusable. This is the crux of the problem. God does not want to speak alone, yet man is unusable. This is the crux of the problem. You know, gratis, Jesus ascended. He said, you're going to do it now. I'm not doing it for you until the battle of Armageddon. Go tarry. Go be endued with my power so you can flow and I will do it through you. But if you want to reject what I've commanded, good luck. In other words, you're, you, you're worthless. You can accomplish nothing but tell little stories. And that's not enough. Brethren, if God's will wills not to speak alone, if the ministers are incompetent to speak, what must be the condition of the church? All the barrenness, poverty, and corruption found in her are due to the inadequacies of the human element in the word of God. The inadequacies, not of the word, but the human element delivering the word. Would that God could find those who are broken and stricken to the ground so as to allow his word to flow out of them. We are always trying to find God's word. But God is continually looking for those whom he can use. We are seeking for the word of God, but God is seeking for his ministers. If we have not been chastened, we cannot do the work of the Lord. If we are not right, the word of God is blocked. Can you see the problem in America? I sure can. Half of the denominations reject the gifts of the Holy Spirit, have nullified sin, and back alternate lifestyles. Half of the churches. We need a revival in the church. And the other half, there's only a remnant that truly are allowing God to use them and flow through them. The others are still in love with this world. The church is supposed to be the voice of God to the nation. It's supposed to be the conscience of the nation. But if the ministers of the word are so incompetent to speak God's word, then the nation is shipwrecked, being tossed to and fro, and and subject to being dashed upon the rocks and destroyed. And that's what we are being, dashed upon the rocks. The Democrats, the Marxists, communists take over the United States. Biden pushing every form of immorality, amorality. And the church isn't rising up against unconstitutional edicts. Instead, they're being passively led like the German Christians were. And only men like Dietrich Bonhoeffer resisted Hitler and went to his death. But they lost their freedoms in Germany and we're losing them in America if the church doesn't rise up in a revival. Amen. The Holy Spirit does not side with the word alone. He also sides with a man who is broken and bears the marks of the cross. A broken, stricken human spirit is a usable spirit. Should the Holy Spirit fail to be released, it is because of the hindrance of our outward man. Our emotions, temper, and will can each one hinder the word. We may speak well, yet it is actually only mere words, doctrine or teaching, not the word of God. 
God's words need to enter into your being, into your feeling, understanding, heart, and spirit. It needs to make a turn in you and flow out of you. Then the word is intimately knit with you. It is pressed and pushed forth in you. But if there should be any defect in your emotions, thought, understanding in heart or spirit, the word of God will be damaged by you. Not only will your word be defective, but the whole church will adversely be affected. You will have ruined God's word as well as despoiled God's church. We must let his word pass through us without hindrance. If God is to be merciful to us, we shall see the light. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I preached God's development of his ministers, part one. Next week, I will preach part two. Ladies and gentlemen, we need a tremendous revival today. It can happen if you and I as Christians, if people, if ministers of the word of God will allow God to change their life, look at what God is allowing and seeing what God wants to do in our life to change our character, our will, our mind, our emotions, our feelings, our attitudes. So now we can care and love other people and really be a minister of the word of God. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.